This is Dan Fleisch, and this is the first podcast for Section 3.1 of A Student's Guide to Maxwell's Equations. The subject of this podcast is the integral form of Faraday's Law, and the relevant section of the text begins on page 58. In the first chapter, we talked a lot about electric fields produced by electric charge. We call those electrostatic fields, and Gauss's Law for Electric Fields applies to that kind of field. In 1831, Michael Faraday discovered a different kind of electric field. That type of electric field, called the induced electric field, is produced not by electric charge, but by a changing magnetic field. The induced electric field has some similarities to electric fields produced by charges. It's measured in volts per meter or newtons per coulomb. It exerts an electric force on charged particles, but structurally it's very different from the electrostatic fields produced by electric charge. And it's very important for you to remember that Faraday's law deals with induced electric fields rather than electrostatic fields. The form of Faraday's law that's written in most introductory physics and engineering books is shown in the middle of page 58. On the left side, it's got a path integral over a path C of E dot DL. And on the right side, negative DDT of the integral over a surface S of B dot NDA. You may recognize that integral on the right side from chapter 2 as the flux of the magnetic field through a surface S. So sometimes you see this law written as the integral of E dot DL is equal to negative DDT of phi sub B, where phi sub B represents the magnetic flux. But there's an issue with this form of Faraday's law. That issue comes about because there are really two very different phenomena comprehended by this single equation. In one, a magnetic field or the magnetic flux through a surface is changing with time. That induces an EMF around any path that is an edge of that surface. That's called magnetic induction. In the other case, a conducting loop is moved through a region of magnetic field. The charged particles in that loop feel a magnetic force, as the Lorentz equation would predict, and therefore a current is induced in that loop, which means that an EMF is also generated. So both these phenomena, changing magnetic flux and moving loop through a magnetic field, induce EMFs. The issue is really with the left side of the equation. That electric field does circulate back on itself if the flux or the field is changing. However, if the loop is moving, the electric field truly circulates only in the rest frame of the loop. So in the case of motional EMF, the E on the left side of the equation is in the reference frame of the loop, and the B on the right side is in a different reference frame. In order to get around this problem, some E&M books handle Faraday's law a little differently. This is typically done by separating out the so-called flux rule from Faraday's law. You can see this on the top of page 59. There it's written that the flux rule says that an EMF is produced by a changing magnetic flux. Faraday's law is then written in the alternative form shown as the second equation on the top of page 59. On first glance, that might appear identical to the one on the previous page, but if you look carefully, you'll notice there's a difference. The time derivative has been moved inside the integral, so now we have the integral of dBdt dot n hat dA. Another way to look at that is this is now the flux of the time derivative of B rather than the flux of B. 
So this form of Faraday's law says that a truly circulating electric field is produced by a changing magnetic field, and since motional EMF is handled by the flux rule, that means the loop is not moving with respect to B, and the E and B in this case can both be in the same reference frame, such as the reference frame of the laboratory. If you're not sure about what EMF means or why the electric field circulates around, don't worry about that. That's all explained later in this chapter. But for now, make sure you get the main idea of Faraday's Law, which is in the box in the middle of page 59. There it says that a changing magnetic flux through any surface induces an EMF in a boundary path around that surface, and a changing magnetic field induces a circulating electric field. That statement comprehends both forms of Faraday's Law. So, as it says in the paragraph after that, one way to produce an EMF in a loop of wire is to poke a bar magnet through. The changing magnetic flux will induce an EMF around that loop. If you hold the bar magnet fixed and the loop and the magnet are not moving with respect to each other, there is no induced EMF. The last paragraph on this page points out that the negative sign that appears in Faraday's Law and in the flux rule is very significant. That's called Lenz's Law, and it tells you that the EMF is induced in such a way to oppose the change in magnetic flux. Exactly how an EMF can oppose a change in magnetic flux is described in the Lenz's Law section of this chapter. The expanded views of both the standard form of Faraday's Law and the alternative form are shown on page 60. There you see that there's a path integral, that is an integral around a path C, and it's a closed path. That's why there's a circle sign on the integral. It involves the electric field in volts per meter. The dot product with DL means you find the component of E along each little increment DL of the path around which the integral is being performed. You can learn more about that in the line and path integral sections of this chapter. Then on the right side of the standard form of Faraday's Law, you'll see negative DDT. The DDT tells you to take a time derivative, and the integral of B dot N hat DA is simply the magnetic flux through any surface for which the path C is a boundary. Likewise, in the alternative view, the left side is exactly the same. In this case, the time derivative has moved inside the integral, and now we have the flux of the time rate of change of the magnetic field. A description of what you can do with Faraday's Law is given on page 61. There you'll see that you might run into a couple different types of problems. In one case, you may be given information about the changing magnetic flux and asked to find the induced EMF. Alternatively, if you're given the induced EMF on some path, you might be asked to find the time rate of change of the magnetic field, the magnitude or the direction. In other cases, it might be the area bounded by the path that's changing. You might wonder whether it's possible to find the induced electric field if you know the time rate of change of the magnetic field. That is, are you able to dig the electric field out of the integral? The answer in certain highly symmetric situations is yes. Those situations are described in this chapter.